Hi, welcome to the Four Teachers podcast. Michaela here with you. Last week, James from ArchD and CESA's gifted education advisor, Dr. Rebecca Napier, spent the day in conversation with gifted ed teachers from all around Catholic schools in Adelaide about their experiences in this area, their journey, and what they've learned along the way. There was so much great stuff that we've released these as an entire series of podcasts. Check out the show notes for links to all of the episodes. Renee, thank you very much for joining us here on the podcast today. Great to have you here. Thank you. Um, now, could you start off by just telling us uh, uh, what school you're at, um, what year levels you teach, and how long you've been at the school, please? Mm. Um, so, I work at Gleason College in Golden Grove. Um, it's a year seven to 12 uh, high school, and it's co ed. Um, and I predominantly teach, well, at the moment, I'm teaching year 10s and 11s, but previously have taught 9s, 10s, 11s there and 12s. Um, however, in the Learning Centre, um, we also have a lot of middle school students, so year 7s, 8s and 9s. Right, so, so yeah, right across, across the board, the basically, board. yeah. yeah. Yep. When was the first time that you, um, like being a gifted, you know, this really long teaching career so far, like what was your very first experience of gifted education? Can you talk us through when, I guess, your teaching career and gifted education kind of intersected in a meaningful way? Mm, so probably um, firstly about five years ago at a previous school um, I took a group of students through practice for Tournament of the Minds. Um, that was the first time that I had um, engaged with students um, that I would deem to be gifted and very like-minded and you know very creative thinking outside the box. Um, and then after that, um, when I moved over to Gleason, uh, they had run an Excel program in the past, which is, yeah, Excel is what it's called. So this year um, in term two, so we did a bit of identification at the beginning of the year, got some uh, teacher opinions, you know, who would you nominate? And um, I think we ended up with a group of probably about 80 students. Um, that we How many? 80? 80 from about 880 students. Wow. Yeah. That's, a lo- that's a lot. That makes sense though. Yeah. I talk to schools about top 10%. Mm. So mm. Yeah. it can be very eye-opening for schools who don't identify yet yeah. to think about how many they might have. So that's statistically yeah. really good. So in terms of the students that you're working with in those groups or in other settings, what would you say are some of the personal traits that jump out at you in terms of students who are gifted? Mm. What what stands out? Um, In the group that I'm currently sort of facilitating after school, um, I note that there is a, a group of students that are quiet and like doing riddles and problem solving and, and that sort of thing. And then there is a group of kids that are really, really quite loud, extroverted. Um, they seem to want to lead their group, but there's multiple leaders within the group. So they're all sort of vying for a bit of airtime. Um, very creative minded, very open minded. Yeah, they're um, definitely a mixed bag. Um, can you tell me a little bit about um, specific strategies and programs that you've used at Gleason or other teachers have used at Gleason that have been really, really successful, like really good like examples of, um, uh, of, of best practice in, in working with gifted students at the school? Okay, so um, I think one school that uh, one thing that Gleason does really quite well is accelerating students through year levels. So um, 
moving from, you know, three different schools within the Catholic sector, I have noticed definitely that this school is one that really does promote accelerating students um, to do subjects in other learning uh, in other year levels. So, for example, at the moment I'm taking a year 10 accelerated biology class. They're all doing the stage one uh, course with me, so a year ahead. And then a a lot of them um, have decided that they're going to do stage two biology in year 11. So that's one thing that um, we're doing across the board in in a lot of different subjects, a lot of maths, English, science, um, IPP. They can do year 12 IPP and year 11 and so on. And even in the lower years, we've had some, you know, year eight students or year seven students come in that really need to be accessing a higher level to... um, you know, they've got the ability to do it. So why not push them if if they're willing to do so? And parents are really quite happy um, that we're um, are willing to work out outside of the, I suppose, the year-level Akira curriculum and push um, students a little bit further into different areas and excel them a bit further. And I think it opens up opportunities later on for senior years when, when kids can... Um, you know, go, well, okay, I've, I've got those points and I've done that, so now I can do all of these other different things. Mm. Um, I'm wondering where that acceptance for acceleration comes from because I know a lot of educators have some sort of negativity around this or they're frightened of mm. doing acceleration, whether it be accelerating just for a subject or a whole school level mm. um, in terms of years. What, what, where's the braveness coming from? Where is the acceptance coming from at your school? What makes the difference? That is a very good question. I think I'm yet to figure that one out myself. But I think it might be from the culture of the classroom. So in the morning, having the vertically streamed care groups, or um, it could be possibly like a buddy system. You know, there there is um, communication between year sevens and year elevens often, you know, about, you know, pastoral care issues and all of that sort of thing. So I think there is a, a good culture of um, communication between the different year levels and, and it's spoken about and it's even, you know, students that are gifted or they might want to do, you know, accelerated subjects, for example, but also students of the other spectrum with um, disability, um, they are also, you know, included in all of that um, pastoral care buddying system where... Um, they're able to access the older students, you know, if they have any questions or anything like that. So it's really that sort of family community feeling, which mm-hmm. I think helps um, acknowledge and accept acceleration or giftedness. Yeah. And is there something about, I mean, it's, it, it's all well and good to have a program like that, but unless it's really actually embraced by the community as a whole, it's not seen as, as kind of like fringy or something that the students feel like they're being forced into. Mm. Is, is, a, is a big part of it about the developing a community that really does like legitimately care about, about a system like that? Yeah, I think so. I think that it's um, it has to come from um, all different levels, so not necessarily just a top-down level, but it has to come from the ground up as well and parental support um, with that is also really, really important. Yeah. I feel like um, parent communication is is really important in that as well. You know, they want to know how their child is going and, you know, what could they be doing at home to help them out a little bit more. Um, sometimes I feel that, that, that students that might be in our A-grade band, yes, they might be great straight-A students, but parents will often go, okay, well, they're, they're travelling fine, so that's good. 
Um, they know what they're doing at home. So um, I think it's good for parents to continue to communicate with the teachers to encourage, you know, what else can we be doing to drive this? Um, but then also, you know, looking down, we need teachers on board to be able to facilitate these things as well mm-hmm. um, and special, like specially trained teachers to do it as well. Speaking of that, like um, as as teachers who are really good and, and, and you're yourself included in this, of course, as qualities that you have, what sort of qualities do you think that, that you have that other teachers who teach gifted education, what's really important as a teacher in, in themselves, both as a, as a person and as an educator? Predominantly building that relationship with the students is number one. Um, so, you know, you need to get on on the same playing level as the kids and go, hey, you know, let's get down to, to basics. What are your interests? What do you like doing? What's your family like? You know, have you got brothers, sisters, dogs, cats? Really, really get to know the kids and then build on from there. So, um, and it's more so being a facilitator than actually leading, you know, everybody down the same path yeah so i've found running the excel program after school with this group of kids um that we put this big mind map on the board of what all our interest areas are and we pitched it to the parents we don't have a plan for this yet but you know this is what we think it's going to look like and we've let the kids drive it you know they were interested in science and stem and plasma and how roller coasters work and that's we, a great one we did blind skittle tasting you know that that concept between what the color of the skittle is versus the actual taste and we graphed it and did data um and unanimously the whole group are very interested in escape rooms so now we're looking at how to construct escape rooms we'll take the kids on excursion to an escape room in the city run through them ourselves and then um, they're going to build their own model, come up with their own riddles and clues and whatnot and we're actually going to build an escape room within the school for our um, festival day, Gleason Day, where other students within the school and teachers can try the escape room as well. That's just too cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is too. (laughs) It sounds like you're creating a breadth of amazing programs and opportunities for these students. So if you get to the very absolute heart of it, what do you think these students need most of all? Um, well, like I said earlier, you know, I think a lot of these students are often, yes, they might be straight-ice students and left to their own devices because they're so good at monitoring themselves and, you know, keeping everything up to date. But these kids, they really, really need nurturing. They're just like every other child um, with other issues going on. You know, there might be social issues or family issues or, or things, you know, that are beyond the schooling scene. Um, but these kids, regardless of differences and regardless of being gifted, they they definitely need nurturing. They need to be able to f- feel that they're heard, um, and that we're taking them seriously, so that they're they're you know important people as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, if you could go back to your very first day of teaching gifted children if you go back all the way back to that very first time mm. you, you did it and with the benefit of the wisdom and the hindsight that you have now you could give one piece of advice back to your mm. um, past self what would you say um that's a tough one i think uh within the realm of say just working with the excel group in the last six months or so so relatively new to it it would just be a constant reminder to 
be creative, make time to be creative. Um, And also, you know, I said to the kids right at the beginning, think about when you were a child and you were able to sit on the floor and play with cars and you'd talk to yourself and you'd be imaginative. And over time, we just kind of fall out of doing that. And now as as a teenager, as an adult, it seems really silly to do that. And, you know, I've said to the kids, I feel like we're educated out of being creative. We need to get back to that. Mm. We need to get back to the imaginary, you know, thinking outside the box. Um, And I think for me coming into or doing this program is to constantly come back to that. Try not to lead the kids in a particular direction, but just let them be creative, let them think outside the box and try and foster that through problem solving and working together, collaboration, riddles, all of that sort of thing. Yeah. So one last question for today. Where do you think the future of education for gifted students is headed? Okay. So um, I really feel like gifted education is going to be coming a lot bigger than or become a lot bigger than than what it is today. Um, I feel like we're becoming much better at identifying students that have giftedness. Um, As much as we might do with children with disability, for example, um, we're now at the other end where we're like, yeah, okay, we've kind of got that sorted out and now we can look at, you know, those kids that are gifted, let's, let's foster a great environment for those kids and make sure that they are well catered for as well because I feel like we do a lot of the other stuff really well and, and this really needs the focus now. For the other conversations in this Gifted Education Teachers series, you can find the links in the show notes in this episode. The Four Teachers podcast is produced by James Meston and me, Michaela Howard-Jones, for ArchD Radio and Podcasting. Be sure to check out the other shows on this channel for great content about teachers, by teachers, for teachers.